Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. There's a supernatural planting of God. The New Testament church, in the, in the scriptures, the New Testament church was a phenomenon because it didn't exist in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, of course, Israel was under the law. And that's what we see in the Old Testament and even in the first four Gospels. Uh, where Jesus is speaking until after His death, burial, and resurrection and outpouring on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then God began to impart supernatural teaching gifts and ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. It's a five-fold ministry it's called. And you can be sure each one of them have similarities and each one of them have uniqueness to them by God. God is the one who imparts that to saved men and women, people who, uh, who are anointed and called by God, and they get raised up. And the scripture, of course, says that those fivefold gifts are to edify the saints, to build up and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Can I get two amens on the work of the ministry right there? Every person has something they can do in the name of Jesus. Everyone is called into the work of the ministry. Uh, and so it is important that we are men and women who witness, who share. And Jesus, of course, said, and I believe it's Luke 14, I believe, Jesus said that we go and compel men and women to come into the kingdom of God. How many of you are glad our Father, He has a, a, a banquet table spread for us? Hallelujah. Uh, Paul said, we eat at a table that the world knows nothing about. There was a day we were the world, but today we're called the church. The, the, the ecclesia or the ecclesia, depending on how you want to pronounce it. We are those that have been separated from or called out from. Jesus only used that word one time. But then you see it in many other places about 90 more times. Jesus himself used it one time. He said, upon this rock... I will build my church. It's a powerful, powerful understanding. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock that he was talking about was the rock of revelation of who he is. Peter said uh, uh, something to Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, who do men say that I am? How many of you have read this in your Bible? Who do men say that I am? He said, well, some say you're Moses. Some say you're Elijah or you're one of the prophets and... And he said, but, well, who do you say I am? And out of Peter leaped this, this statement. Uh, he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turned and looked at him and said, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. But my father who is in heaven and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail again. He said, I'll build my church. No wonder Jesus came and was trained and grew up as a carpenter instead of a shepherd. It's an interesting thought. We always think of Jesus as the great shepherd, and he is, but he's also the great builder of the body of Christ. Uh, he, he, he is the number one, the, the Greek word for for builder and maker of all things is the word architecton. 
And Jesus is the chief architect and the, the head contractor. He's the general contractor of heaven, you can be sure. And the Bible says, upon the rock of revelation that he is the Christ, the Christ means, of course, the anointed Messiah, the Savior, the God in flesh. His name is not Jesus our Christ. Are y'all with me? I don't care how many people curse and use his name. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The Jews are still looking for their Christ under their teaching. Islam thinks it found its Christ in Muhammad. But there's only one who died for you, had divine blood, is the only begotten Son of God, is the second part of the Godhead. He arose from the dead after three days and in that three days and three nights, he was busy taking care of business. He took the keys, the Bible says, of death and hell, and he arose victorious. And he's coming back because he is alive forevermore. I think we ought to just clap our hands to God. That's a good place right there to magnify the Lord. And so Jesus said it like this. He said, now, upon this revelation that... Only Him, only He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. On that revelation, He called it a rock. Uh, the word rock right there is an interesting word. It's the word uh, P-E-T-R-A, Petra. He said, upon this Petra, I will build my church. And then He turned to Simon Barjona, who is Peter, and He said, you were Simon, but from now on, I'm going to rename you. You're, you're not going to be known as Simon. You're going to be known as Peter. And the word Peter is the word Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S, Petros. And a Petros is a little pebble. It's a little stone. And a Petros is a huge, massive stone like the Rock of Gibraltar or something. It's a massive, big rock. And Jesus said, thou art Petros. You're a chip off the old block because of that revelation that you have. And on that Petras, on that massive, massive foundation of the kingdom of God, I'm going to build my church. Now, the, the ecclesia, listen to this, ecclesia is actually, it's a unique word. It was kind of a Roman word. And the Romans would use that when Herod would have uh, his meetings as Rome was expanding its empire, it would have different of, of outposts all around. And as they continued to expand, they would take centurions and they would put them there and they would have at least 100 uh, who were uh, soldiers, uh, who oftentimes were military as well as financial. They were educational. They were all type of things. And they were trying to expand their empire. They were the first one to do that. All the other empires uh, up until that time when they would come in, they would just rob something, kind of melt it down and just keep on going. But Rome had a different mindset. Rome, instead of trying to just destroy everything and bring it back home, Rome, when it would conquer an area, it would try to take the culture of Rome and instill it there. And so they would have their own schools. They would have their own education systems. They would develop their own uh, governmental areas and, and on and on. And... and uh, about once a year or periodically, according to history, 
Uh, Caesar, or uh, and Herod, of course, answered to Caesar. They would have an ecclesia. They would have a call that would go out to the leaders. And they would take those regional leaders and they would bring them into training and they would bring them in to a, a, a huge conference or a big meeting, uh, a big governmental and military meeting, and it was called an ecclesia. It was called together like that. And Jesus said, upon that revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my ecclesia. Oh, it's going to sink in. It's just going to take a little while. We're not just pilgrims and strangers, like barely getting by in life. Can I have two amens in this? No, no, no. You're part of the ecclesia. You're part of the leaders that God from, from, from the home office in heaven is expanding his kingdom and he has taken someone just like you and set you right here and every now and again we get together. He calls it the church. That's why in, in Hebrews the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some are. Christians that do not go to church, if they say they're a Christian and they don't go to church, it's like being a rogue a soldier. It's like someone who was saying, well, uh, you know, I'm a military person and I was placed out here, but I'm AWOL. Right, right, right. And I'm not, I don't have to answer to the call uh, of the, the head, of the commander in chief. Well, you and I are not people who forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Obviously, we are people who assemble together. Come on, look at somebody and say, you look like a soldier to me. Come on, tell them that. It's a powerful thing to understand that. Uh, the beautiful thing is we're representatives of the kingdom of God. We are under the authority of the head of the church, Jesus. He has a word and he left us that word and then he activated it with his spirit and it's called a living word. That's why when you read the word of God and you begin to hear the word of God, Instead of you just getting knowledge, it's like somehow that's reading you. I wonder how many times in my short 40 years of, of speaking in pulpits now, I wonder how many times I've had someone come to me and say, you know, when you were talking and you were ministering today, you said this and this and you said that. And I'm thinking, I wasn't even in that same book. I know I didn't say that. Well, what happened? The word of God is real. And it speaks to every one of us. Do you remember uh, individually, you remember how Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish and then every person got what they needed. And uh, he does the same thing today. The word of God, we ask him to bless it, break it and multiply it out until every person is full. Oh, hallelujah. And so oftentimes the word of God will say something to one person and at the exact same time, it'll say just as definite to another person. You say, how in the world do you minister to so many different people at one time? Well, I don't. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who blesses, breaks, and multiplies the word out to us. Come on, clap your hands to God right there. If you need healing in your body, oftentimes... You'll, you'll suddenly get faith from hearing the word of God for healing and there might not be any message at all going on about divine healing. It could be something else totally different. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build. 
And that word build there literally means to create from the ground up. Uh, Everything about it. Jesus said, on this rock, I will take your life. I will bless it on the rock of the revelation of the word of God. He said, I will build your life. I'll build you financially. I will build you educationally. I will build you socially. I will help you and your family get built. Come on, is anybody getting a hold of this? He says, I'll build every aspect of your life. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, that's an interesting thing. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't mind telling you, the gates of hell can can prevail against a whole lot of people. But if Jesus is the one who is hell-proofing you, and you're just not all in it by yourself, but you're like, Jesus, I need your help in this area. What does your word say? And you begin to build your life on that foundation. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, you are my disciple indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. How many of you glad that the truth you know is what sets you free? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. If truth made you free, then everybody will be free from everything that ever tries to come that's not right in our life. But truth by itself is dormant until you know it. And when you know it, it hooks up in you and becomes active. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And begins to work in your life. And one of the great qualities of it, Jesus said is, not only will you be stabilized, not only will you be edified, Not only will you uh, become understanding of the ways of the kingdom of God that will lead you in life and peace, but also it'll cause you to walk free from the gates of hell. The word gates right there are interesting words. And without belaboring this uh, too much more, I want you to hear this thought. Uh, when 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 a town would form and a city would form, they had gates. Those gates had several purposes. First of all, that's where commerce would came in, uh, would come in because all uh, all cities that continued to uh, to expand and to have life and security had walls around them. I don't even want to get off on that. They had walls, and then each one of them, of course, would have gates where commerce could be controlled coming in and out. It wasn't to keep out commerce. It wasn't to keep out travel. It was to have it be systematic. So so they were not unguarded. And then periodically there would be councils like we would call our city council or the elders of a city. They would sit in the gates and they would would make their plans and they would hold meetings sometimes and and there would be all type of reasons for those meetings. Some people uh, who were not going to the Supreme Court, so to speak, they needed a lesser ruling on something. That's where they would meet. That's where those councils would be held in the gates of the city, they're called. Jesus said, upon the revelation that He is the Anointed One, the Messiah, divine God in flesh, second part of the Godhead, alive forevermore, the builder and the maker of all things, the Bible says, upon that revelation, upon that petros, 
I am going to found my church. That's the foundation. And the gates of hell, the councils, the plans, the schemes, the operational ways of the kingdom of darkness, they will not overcome you. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. If you get your life built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, and you're a part of the called out and called to something. That's why Colossians says that God sent his spirit into you and he delivered you. Somebody shout deliver. He delivered you from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, hallelujah. One of the greatest things we learn is when you have been called out of another life that was leading to eternal death and you have been translated mightily by the Spirit of God into the kingdom of life, uh, we are to live according to where we have been called into. It's very difficult to say I'm a citizen of the kingdom of life, but I still live like hell. That's what causes all the issues that take place in people's lives. They're still leaning into yesterday when God has already introduced them to a whole bright today and a marvelous tomorrow. And so our responsibility is to be doers of the Word of God, to learn the Word of God and put it into action. Therefore, God gave a five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Used to, when you got a bad report from the doctor, the first thing you did is panic. Today, when panic tries to get on you, the first thing you do is pray. And you begin to claim the word of God. Now listen to what I'm going to say, and don't ever forget what pastor is about to say. You can have fear in your mind, but faith in your heart. And listen... And faith will work and override that fear as long as you get faith in your mouth. Your tongue is the activator. It's one thing to believe something because you see it and you're experiencing something and another thing to believe the truth of the Word of God in your heart, way in your heart. You're like, I know the word is true. I know Jesus died for me. I know with his stripes I was healed. I know God supplies all of my needs. But I got this issue out here I'm looking at. So what I'm looking at forms a fact. But can I just say there's a lot of difference in the truth versus the facts. The facts might be that you used to be on the way to hell. The truth is God has changed you and pointed you toward heaven and going to give you victory all along the way. But you'll activate one or two things with the words of your mouth. Jesus wasn't playing games in Mark 11 when he said, have the faith of God. Whoever will say to the mountain be removed. You're looking at it, you're seeing it, and the mountain's not going to move. It's a mountain. It doesn't move that way. The mountain there is a euphemism. It means a large issue or a problem or a circumstance out of your control. You're looking at that mountain, and it's just like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And Jesus said it like this. He didn't say, whoever will get a shovel and start boring through the mountain. 
He didn't say whoever will just grab his bootstraps, yank them up, and climb every mountain. Jesus didn't say that. Besides, you might not even have boots. How are you going to get bootstraps? What did Jesus say to do to mountains? He said, speak to the mountain. Whosoever shall say, come on, shout it out with me, say. Whosoever shall say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Tell it where to go. And now listen, and doubt not in their mind. And doubt not in their mind. What is it? Say it out loud. Your heart and your spirit are synonymous. It's a word used for the spirit. In your spirit. And doubt not in your spirit. Your mind can be full of doubt. Until you learn uh, in a process of renewing what the Bible calls the spirit of the mind. I like to say it for explanation, the thought reflex of the mind. Be renewed in the spirit of the mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? You renew it first with the Word of God. It's a process. You renew it with with godly fellowship. That's why I don't run around with people that don't believe in speaking the Word of God. Somebody said to me, are you just one of those confession preachers? I said, I never met a preacher that wasn't. It just depends upon what you're going to confess. It's not like we're dumb and don't see the natural, but we believe the unseen. While we look not at things that are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are subject to change. The things that are not seen are established or eternal. Now that's what the Bible says. So for instance, if you get that bad report uh, because of a physical illness in your body, you don't get mad at your doctor. You say, thank you for the facts. I understand that. Thank you for your facts. Don't argue with your doctor. Just thank him for the facts. Listen to them. They'll give you good advice. Oftentimes, that shows you right exactly where to focus your faith. Now you begin to pray in line with the Word of God. Can I get two amens right there? And you begin to challenge in your mind, not the fact but the fear that's trying to come with that fact. And you say, no, in Jesus' name, with his stripes I was healed. My body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. I will live and not die and declare the glory of God in my generation. And you begin to, now you use wisdom to treat your body. Always use wisdom. Somebody shout wisdom. Say it again. Thank God for our doctors. Anything that heals is of God. Are you listening? But that doesn't mean you get off the word of God. No, you let faith keep growing on the inside of you. Let it keep growing. Let it keep growing. And the way you do that is by speaking the word of God and believing in your heart until your head gets in line with the word. And so Jesus said, it's upon that rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that works in every family. It works in every individual. I believe it will work in our, uh, in, in our jobs, in our work, in every facet of your life, listen to me, that you'll allow Jesus to be the builder. Just let him be the chief architect and we'll be one of his subcontractors. 
Are y'all listening? And we'll be one of his representatives. He's got the home office and you and I are here still today. So we'll just serve the Lord with joy and with gladness. And it's a learning process. We continually learn. We do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If you have an opportunity, mom and dad, I know Sunday morning is a great time. It's a lot of joy. But at Abundant Life, I like to do something called the nine best players on the field. I don't like to have lesser services because we don't serve a lesser God. And when we come together, we we meet on Sunday mornings. And then if it's possible, I ask people to come back at six o'clock in the evening. Uh, It's about 90 minutes, but I tell you that that's, that's about an hour and a half of power where the glory of God oftentimes is in manifestation. Then we meet on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. It's important to be in the house of God. Now, no one, including me, can be in every single service all the time. Wish I could. I'm still hanging in there for seven days a week. Church. No, but when we do come together, it should be a priority in our lives. If possible, that we assemble together. Forsake not the assembling. Somebody say assemble. That's an interesting word. It's kind of like having a family. You can have a household that just kind of lives in the same house. I've got an old analogy. I call it like, a, like one of those big water buffalo. You ever see those big water buffalo on TV? Anybody ever watch Discovery Channel? Wave your hand if you've ever seen Discovery. Wave your hand if you're asleep. Get that hand down. Are you listening to me? Sometimes we'll have, you know, those big old water buffalo. And I see them out there and they'll be like, you know, out on the Serengeti or somewhere, you know, somewhere out in Africa. Those big old buffalo and they're massive. They're huge. I mean, those things will weigh 2,000 pounds and more sometimes. And then they've got these little old birds about this big. I mean, if I was that little bird, I'd be so afraid of the tail of that thing. Just whipping around. Just the tail of that big old water buffalo, that ox would just break that little bird in half. But that little bird is all over. It's in his nostril. You ever see that? In his ears. And they're eating all these little things. Every time a a herd of buffalo come by, uh, those little birds are going, oh boy, meals on wheels. Come on, here we go. (laughs) They can't wait to land on top. And those buffalo are so happy to have those little birds get on them. Because that buffalo, he's throwing his head back and he's throwing his tail. But all over his body, he can't reach all those little ticks and mites and bugs. Isn't this spiritual? <laughs> so they have an arrangement. In all of their life, they live together. And they don't have anything in common. And so they live together for convenience and survival but they're not assembled together. Families ought not just have the water buffalo and tick bird concept. They ought to be assembled in faith. Churches should be assembled together. When I was a boy growing up, I used to love to to put together uh, little models. I'd put together ships and airplanes and cars, especially cars. We'd get those things and we'd put them together. And you'd get that box. And my mom and daddy always knew they could, 
uh, satisfy me at Christmas. Just get me some type of a little toy car that I had to assemble together. And I'd put that little thing together. When you look at it on there, it just looks so nice. And then you open up and it pours out. And you're like, that was a car in that box. But it sure doesn't look like one now. And so they were helping me learn the power of process. It's like putting together, you learn puzzles. That's one of the reasons you have little puzzles. Don't get something that discourages people. But it helps your child learn process. And they begin to understand. And when the picture starts happening, they're like, "Woo! look, I'm all of that, you know. And all 12 pieces came together. <laughs> and always give them a high five when they do it too because their little mind is, is, is working. It's seasoning and it, it's learning and it's, it's growing because they have no idea about process. Uh, but be that as it may, it was all in a box right there. There, uh, Cindy the other day made some type of a cake. It was wonderful. I like pound cake. And so she knows what I like. And I don't like a lot of icing on it for those of you that want to know what to get to pass. So uh, I don't like a lot of icing. I just kind of like a, one of those vanilla pound cakes or something like that. It goes real nice with a cup of coffee or a cup of hot tea or something. And I tried to make one one time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was chaotic. And I had nearly every one of the bowls and dishes that are in the kitchen out on the counter. Cindy can make one. She's got two bowls and that's it. I try to do one and there's 19 of them out. And I probably used half of them. But you get one of those Betty Crocker boxes. And you get that Betty Crocker box. Isn't it spiritual? And you look at that box right there. And you see that cake on the front of it. And that's a cake in a box. Sure is. And you can just pour it out and it'll just take, it's horrible, it'll choke you to death because it hadn't been assembled. It hadn't been assembled yet. Forsake not the assembling. One of the things you do when you get that cake out there, you, 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 it'll say, now add just a little bit of uh, vanilla extract not that much. Just that, not that much. Didn't say take a sip of it. It said just, just add it. Add the vanilla extract to it. And it says put just a little bit of flour, sugar, or whatever you need in it. It'll tell you exactly how to do it, how to, how to assemble it together. And then when you look at it, it just, it just looks like this stuff. Batter. Gosh, I love those beaters too. Segway, this is just for the men. Never get so old that you don't like to eat the beaters. I want the pan and the beaters before you wash it. Am I talking to anybody right here? That, that's what I'm talking about. And so it's worked for me for 43 years. I give this, this look like, oh my God. If I could just have that bowl, my day would be made. And Cindy's like, Walter, come in here. And so if you take the wrong ingredient and you start pouring it in there, I don't care how you assemble it, it's not assembled correctly. Can I just say in the body of Christ, when we assemble together, we're not just church in a box. No, no, no. We have the oil of the Word of God. We have the wine of the Holy Spirit. We have the, the, the bread of life who is with us. 
We have seasoning. We are the salt of the earth. We don't want to put bitterness and strife and doubt, unbelief and, and, and just a, an obstinance about us because every person in here is the head of their own home. And so we develop our own independence and our own individuality. But when we're in the kingdom of God, we're called to be a part of something and to be assembled together. And I know this is going to blow somebody's wig off, but here it is. It's not just about you. It's about the cake. It's about the church assembled of which you're one of the ingredients. And we're supposed to assemble together. And we add joy, love, peace, righteousness, goodness, good things, edification, building one another up, helping one another, giving. Don't throw the bitterness of, I don't believe that. We put together the ingredients of praise and worship, of prayer, of the gifts of the Spirit, of the Word of God in all of its massiveness. I mean, I believe Genesis to Revelation. I told somebody I even believe the maps and the index. The Word. The Word. There was a false religion a guy that knocked on my door one day, one Saturday morning. And so I decided to get into a conversation with him before I told him who I was. And then they marked my house and they won't come to my house anymore. <laughs> I thought, oh, hallelujah. The Lord done sent them to me. And I began to talk to him about the word of God that they didn't know was in their Bible. Even, even though their Bible has been distorted some, there's a lot they didn't know about it. They, they've been taught how to argue with you because so many Christians are uninformed. They love Jesus, but they don't know why they love him. And the best they can say is because he saved me and I don't have to go to hell. Well, that's a good way to come into the kingdom. But I can tell you right now, you'll not live victorious in life if that's all you know about being in the kingdom. And so we grow and we learn and it is a process and we teach the Word of God. And so as I began to talk to him about that, I said, no, 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 you have to assemble according to the Word. It's very important. And the foundation of that is Jesus. He said, I believe in Jesus. I believe He is a, a Son of God. I said, no, He's not a Son of God. Your Bible was written by people that are deceived. Their Bible was. He is not a son of God. The Bible calls him the son of God. Capital S, not little s. His Bible has little s. And then he says, but you know, we're all sons of God. I said, but you're not on the same plane as Jesus. I can tell you that. I said, were you born of a virgin? Uh... I said, did you die and come back from the grave? Uh, do, you, uh, do you have divine blood? you have divine blood from your father? Uh, uh, no, spiritually, you've been recreated and born again into his likeness and his image. But he is the one and only Savior. He is God in flesh, the Bible says. My father and I are one, Jesus said. 
All of a sudden, they had to run off. They literally ran, nearly ran <laughs> down my driveway, getting out. One of them grabbed his child. He had his child with him. And so maybe I admire their zeal for what they're doing, but what they're doing will lead someone else to hell. So the body of Christ, when we assemble together, we grow and we learn and we develop. And when it's all over with, we have a a cake called the church. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. It's very necessary that we are assembled together. Uh, In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there were 3,000 added on the first day, the Scripture goes on a little further and it says, So God added to the church daily, such as should be saved. There's no such thing as being a part of the body of Christ, the church, without being called by God into a New Testament setting. The word church is over 90 times in the Scripture. In 90% of those times, it's the church in its local setting. When Paul's writing to the churches, Jesus only used the term one time. And then he said, now I'm given a five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to the church in its local setting. Then he set up the oversight of the house. We have that all through the epistles. Can I just say to you that every man and woman is called to be a part of a Holy Ghost church. All the churches written in the New Testament, uh, and our musicians, come on back. All of the churches written about in the New Testament are today what we would call mega churches. I think the smallest one that's written about uh, in one of the epistles, the the smallest one had an active membership of over 5,000. Most of them had 30 to 50,000 active members. No wonder the government was worried about them. Can I have a hallelujah? Hallelujah. And all of them believed in the nine gifts of manifestation, the current day operation of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, water baptism, of the divinity of Jesus as the rock, the Savior, the Christ, the only one. All of them believed in tithing and offering. All of them believed in prayer, seeking God, and living with a joy that was unexplainable. Oh, hallelujah. All of them believed in assembling, being assembled. Uh, It kind of became a, I guess it's always been a common phrase to say, well, you don't have to go to church. And I always say, would you please show me anything that remotely indicates that anywhere in the Bible? Uh, I do believe, according to Revelation, that every man, every woman needs a pastor in their life. Not because I'm anything, you know, with, with golf shoes and all that stuff. But God gives gifts unto men. And when Jesus gave us the book of Revelation, He called it now to the angel of of the church at Laodicea, the angel of the church at Sardis, the angel of the church at Thessalonica. He begins to write about those seven churches. And He says to the angel of the church, the angel there is the word for the pastor 
or the general overseer of that church. Because that pastor is going to answer to God whether he understands it or not for that church. Are you listening to me? That's why with fear and trembling, I pastor a church. I thank God for my mother and dad who were that way also. They pastored for almost 50 years before me. It's very necessary that the house of God be planted on the Word and then we assemble the ingredients. Oh, hallelujah. Of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the high praises of God, and the workings of the body of Christ. And when we do that, glory to God, we have something, I believe, that God will bless. It will be like sweeter than honey, the Scripture says, and the honeycomb, more to be desired. No wonder they said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.